like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santee, and uh, I'm joined on this episode by Mike Huber. Say hi, Mike. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) I know I promised you guys an episode with him a while ago, but then I had a microphone malfunction, and we thought we were recording, but we only got my voice. (laughs) I didn't didn't release that episode. (laughs) Probably a good thing. Yeah. So, Mike, tell everybody about yourself. So, I um, have been working in early childhood since 1992. I was in a classroom in a small parent cooperative for about 17 years before moving on. I now supervise teachers in an inclusion program. So we work with kids. About 30% of the kids will have like autism, ADHD, or some other diagnosis. Sometimes it's a medical thing too in that 30%. But we tend to get a lot of kids who don't have a diagnosis, but, you know, a pediatrician will suggest the parent go here or we get kids who get kicked out of other centers. So I say you get the second chance for with everybody. Exactly. <laughs> so I work a lot with um, teachers figuring out what how to address what might be called challenging behaviors or something like that. So um, that's what I do now. Yeah. And then I have my own podcast, uh-huh. Teaching with the Body and Mind. Yeah, which is and, awesome. I'll just plug that in. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, that's mostly what I do in early childhood, at least. Yeah, yeah, okay. So um, I, over the summer, read your book, Embracing Rough and Tumble Play, Teaching with the Body and Mind. Um, and and thank you. It was wonderful. I loved it. Oh, I did a whole lot of highlighting. <laughs> <laughs> and as I was going back through it tonight to find the, the specific quote I was thinking of for us to talk about, um, I was like, oh, I need to just go through and reread the highlighted parts again now because, <laughs> because it's been a while and I want to keep it all fresh. So, Okay, so you know better than me because <laughs> it's been a little while. <laughs> that's what I was talking to somebody um, I recorded with uh, 
Deb Curtis and Nadia uh, Habanetta uh, uh-huh. this weekend. And that's what they said, too. They were like, you, it's been forever since we wrote that. I didn't even remember that was in the book. Right. I don't have the same excuse, though, because I don't keep writing other books, right. whereas they, they do. Um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, this this quote that I want to pull out is from a section um, that you've called boy culture. And so I want to touch on that once we get into the conversation. Um, but but the quote yeah. that I'd like to start with is this. I always think that there is a culture within the field of early childhood education that comes from having an almost exclusive female workforce. While there is a wide array of variations within this culture. There's a tendency to favor sitting and reading books over other narrative media like storytelling, acting, or video, and often a rejection of certain types of play, such as violent-themed play and roughhousing that is common among boys, and the result is a culture clash. Thank you. <laughs> that, was a, that was a perspective that was sort of floating unformed in my brain, and then I read that, and I was yeah. like, yes, that's what I've been trying to say to myself. Um, so yeah, and of course it took back and forth with the editor to get it oh, worded really? in a way that you know I'm, I don't want to be essentialist either. That all women are one way, right. all men are a different way. Yeah. So yeah. So so as someone pointed out to me, like people in general, men or women who go into early childhood, are they're not the ones that are like thrill seeking yeah. usually. You know, they find a job that's a little more, um, you know, uh, <laughs> adrenaline pumping. <laughs> And the people who like to sit down and just hang out with the young kids, yeah, I shouldn't right. say just, um, but I mean, you know, that that is going to, when you have a bad day, just having, like having yeah. a kid hug you is going to make your day. Those are the people that go into early childhood. So it's uh-huh. like, that's what they want to do is sit with books, have kids on their lap. So and that's great. That. <laughs> but you also need to address the, the needs yeah. that aren't when they, so when they don't want to sit with I know that there you. are a lot of people who, um, you know, may even just hear that phrase boy culture and and have a reaction like you're talking about. Like you're not saying that every boy is a yeah. behavior problem and you're not saying that every woman who works with children right. is intolerant of of boys or anything like that. But I but I ha- there are l- right. almost every time I have a conversation with someone who's working with young children about challenging behavior, it's a boy and it's because they're they're being more active than yep. the classroom is is designed for or than the teachers are comfortable with. Um so so how yeah. would you respond to that? Yeah, I find the same thing. So that's one of the things where I work now. When I first started there, certainly there were a lot of behaviors where there so we have um in our organization occupational therapists, speech Wonderful. therapists on site. <laughs> that mostly work with kids outside of our classrooms, but when kids do need appointments, you know, when they do need referrals, they're just going down the hall. The therapist can pick them up. So uh, so teachers, when they get those behaviors you were just talking about, the kid who wants to run, the kid who's not going to sit and listen to this book, they're immediately like, oh, I think we need to have, you know, yes. have them observed and get referred. and. Um, you know, I try to like slow that down and just say, well, let's look at what's happening, figure out what that child's need is and compare it to your classroom expectation. And, you know, Mm -hmm. the child's need is going to stay the same. The classroom expectation is the thing that can change. So I like the word culture because it doesn't mean just like any culture, you know, there's an American culture or a white American culture 
that not every white person fits, but it's more the idea of this is what you will see. And I definitely, when I hear about challenging behaviors, it's almost always the same things. And when I suggest, you know, oh, have you tried, you know, roughhousing with this child? I get this blank stare Uh from most people. Yeah. Um, Not everyone, but but most people are like, well, no, that's not what we do. And it's, but maybe. Right. Yeah. We should, you know, consider it. I got into a lot of hot water at a, at a former job because there was a a preschool age, not the teacher wasn't preschool aged, but the children in her class were preschool aged. And um, she was having a lot of problems with boys wanting to play with guns or pretend they were playing with guns uh-huh. when when she had yeah. standards to meet and and she really wanted them to right. focus on their letters so i suggested hanging letters on the wall and giving them nerf guns and telling them which letters to shoot and right. they were appalled that i would yeah. even suggest such a thing and i thought it was a great right idea. right <laughs> yeah i start with the child's interest and, and move, on. move to the thing yeah. you need or yeah so yeah. um rough but. tumble play uh I guess we kind of jumped into it, but for if there's somebody who's kind of new to that idea or roughhousing, can you talk yeah. about that a little bit? Sure. So rough and tumble play, I mean, the definition more, whatever the academic definition is generally like play that involves the whole body. So it can include uh, chasing, kicking a ball or, you know, throwing a ball, um, climbing, but then it also can be, what I call roughhousing. Some people will call wrestling or play fighting, um, horse play. And I don't like those definitions. And I think somewhere in the book I talk about why. But, you know, wrestling to me has too many implications of what you see on TV as wrestling or, you know, things like that. And I think roughhousing is a nice way to describe something very specific of no real goal in mind. Right. It's whereas wrestling is somebody wins. And, yeah. um, yeah, whereas this is just play, but it does involve body contact. Um, it does involve a lot of flexible thinking because you're constantly, you don't know what the other person's going to do when you're interacting with them. So you constantly have to rethink what you're doing. Meanwhile, your you know, vestibular sense is being tested to the limit because you're also being pushed off balance <laughs> while you're trying to think of how to do it. And, and then there's just, right. you know, this delight that yeah. happens when you're doing it. Um, and occasionally, the every so often, something you do get hurt, um, like in any other type of play. I think the big difference is there's a um, kids really, when kids roughhouse, they generally really want to roughhouse. So if they get hurt a little bit, and get they right will back jump back up and go yeah. right back into the play. And some play kids will be a little less, like it'll take longer to yeah. recover. So my my husband from. was um, playing with our cat the other night and the cat will sometimes like act like it's going to bite and then just really touch him softly with her teeth and then stop. And he, yeah. so he said, you know, I was reading that um, the cats who bite are the ones who are like taken away from their litter too soon and they don't wrestle around and, and learn how to stop and learn when they're hurting <laughs> someone else. And I was like, yeah, kids too. <laughs> like maybe that's one of the things that that they miss out on when they aren't allowed to play in that way is they don't there's there's like a socialization factor so he he was like what yeah a teacher brought up a child 
um, just this week, and I was thinking that's probably what I'm going to be recommending. And I'll probably go in first and wrestle with them a bit, you know, to show what I mean by wrestling. Because, you know, it's really like you hug the child and fall down is essentially yeah. what it is. I think I think I might have got that from Heather yeah. Schumacher. But um, but I think it's true. You know, it's um, the same th- feeling that most kids uh-huh. get from hugging. The really boisterous kids you have to they do need by... A more. <laughs> Yeah, vigorous <laughs> hugging, I guess, is what it is. Yeah, and I'm glad that you, when you were giving your definition, you mentioned chasing and kicking and those kinds of things also as rough and tumble play, because yeah. I do think it's scary for some people when they just hear rough and tumble play, because because they go immediately right. to the that scarier, less, you know, r- wrestling yeah, kind of yeah. thing. One thing that I, I think is from the book, and even if it's not, you can take credit for it, because no one's going to check. Um, okay. But I think you recommended for <laughs> kicking, like using empty milk cartons because they're easier to do like a controlled yeah. kick and chase with um, than with balls. Right. And so I've been doing that with my preschool kids and they love it. And it's so much less frustrating and they get, they get almost yeah. more a workout kind of because they're able to engage in it right. Right. longer. I know I used to, um, where I used to work, we had a playground maybe three or four blocks away. Like we had the one at school, but uh-huh. you know, there was this, you know, elementary school playground. <laughs> yeah. And I started having them kick milk cartons. And then we just had a bag to put them in when we were there. But it was just like they all, you know, just it made the the walk that much uh-huh. more fun. Yeah. And yeah. I, I bet you weren't having to nag them not to run. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when yeah, you yeah. were on your little field trip. Yeah. Right. Um, so we've been having a lot of fun with that with a there's a play group that I do that I work with on Fridays that's toddlers and the parents stay and they were really okay. confused by the milk cartons all over the empty right, milk right. all over the playground until I did some explaining. Um, oh shoot. What else did I want to ask you about? Um, oh, just so you in the, in the quote, um, you, the phrase that, that you use here is violent violent themed play so i wanted to give yeah. you a chance to that a little bit too sure. yeah so violent themed play um <laughs> i could go so many different directions with this but i think um what i'd like to do is talk about what adults do with that you know that when adults watch movies or read books it's often a book i mean whether it's stephen king or more of a mystery novel there's often violence involved in it mm-hmm. And it makes the book more interesting for a lot of adults. And very few of those adults go on to <laughs> commit the the crimes, yes. you know, any any type yeah. of violent crime, let alone what's depicted in the book. So I think, I mean, I think it's easier for adults to think about their own lives. And then even when you get into things like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or things like that, the stories are really about good versus evil. But the way you depict it is showing actual an actual war, war between uh-huh. the two sides because, I don't know, for whatever it is, human, <laughs> the way humans work, like that's the way to, um, that we can understand in a way that's mm-hmm. engaging. So I think it's good to m- just remember that a lot of yeah. people are this way, you know, that it's not just kids. <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, I love um, like cheesy wife kills her husband kind of stuff like investigation oh, yeah, yeah. discovery and snapped marathons and right. but I've never killed a husband. So, so I, yeah, that we, we know, know that, that 
Or are you just watching to figure exactly. out how to get away with it? I have it. lots that's of good the... tips if anyone needs them. But, um, yeah. but I think that's what I think of too. Like, this is my recreation. It doesn't in any way affect my morality or my ability to right. not hurt somebody. Yeah. And what I find interesting, like if you take the play itself, when you watch kids do this, they have to take on a role. So first of all, taking on the role of the bad guy is always more fun you know, the theater kids oh. want to be the evil person. And then even when you're younger and doing it, preschoolers, there's something fun about it because they don't actually think of themselves as bad guys. So they know they're playing a okay. role. And it's a little different, I think, than like, you know, a doctor or a firefighter or a mom or a dad that they'll pretend to be. Because those things are all things that they might say, when I grow up, I want to be that. And no one is thinking, when I grow up, I want to be, you yeah. know, the bad guy or, or even like the superheroes. I think as much as they can kind of know they don't exist, but also act as if they do. Um, and what I mean by that is like the same way a kid can, a four-year-old can tell you that there's no such thing as ghosts and still be scared of them. <laughs> right, yeah. Right, that they, the two things aren't mutually exclusive. So they can know superheroes don't exist and they really can't be the superhero. But they can also want to be the superhero when they grow up. So so it's not that, you know, they they don't think of it that way. But when they're pretending to be a mom or a dad or something, yeah. they know they really could be that. There's a different well, level. Say, so when they're playing being oh, met in those yeah. two different kinds of pretending too. Yeah. Right. So it's clearly and princesses are the same thing, right? Um, so I'm trying to remember who um, said that but you know that idea of of course we always let yeah. this type of play happen with girls they right. tend to be called fairies or princesses and somehow people are okay with that but not superheroes bad guys and again it doesn't just go by gender <laughs> and thankfully the uh, princess movies are getting more and more i, I when yeah. frozen came out it changed it was a game changer for the yeah. kids in my care like watching the boys <laughs> yes, who were going to be else too. Yeah. Like, I think just um, like, you know, and it was because yeah. she, she, she did wasn't stuff, just hanging you know? around to be rescued. She didn't have to wait for someone. Yeah. Um, Heather Shoemaker yeah, yeah. probably talks about that. I mean, we've mentioned her, you've mentioned her once already, but um, have, I don't know if you've read, yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't play with guns here by Penny Holland. Um, yeah. But she goes into so the, the gender bias sort of in the way we allow girls to yeah. pretend and the way we allow boys to pretend and and um and well, what we, okay. the message yeah. we send to boys when we constantly tell them that their ideas are wrong <laughs> and that and that their ideas are not welcome here right. um can really have that impact. Yeah. And that gets into I think Power you read and an consent. article yes. yeah. a few months ago about Yeah. Because I do think that's important to know that, you know, following children's play themes shows them that they, what they do is interesting, that their thoughts are interesting. And if there's scary things happening in the play, kids can talk about it yeah. or play it out, right? Like kids want, when, they, when kids play doctor, it's mostly going to be about getting the shot, like the scariest part of the doctor's <laughs> visit yeah. is what they're going to play. And so when they're playing violent themed things, it's like kind of playing at that scary stuff. To sort of have control right. over it. And when we tell them they can't do that, it really undermines their mm -hmm. um, agency, yeah. I guess. And um, and I, in the article, I go more into what I think the yeah. lessons from that yeah. are. Yeah, so but. the article is, I think, called Exploring Power and Consent. 
in preschool or something yes, like that. Yes, and it's it, it's you. from Child Care Information <laughs> Exchange, and I recommend it highly. Um, it was in the like a spring issue, I think, but people can find it on the website. That sounds yeah. right. Yeah. Um, I was in a, a classroom long time ago, but there were um, there were three boys. It was a, technically a twos classroom, but. So it was okay. you know, a toddler space with toddler stuff. Yeah. And um, these boys were three and waiting for a spot to open in the threes room so they could move up. Right. Um, but they had moved well beyond what was available to them in that classroom. And they were their sure. bodies were too big for that classroom. Um, and they wanted mm-hmm. to climb and jump and run and play superheroes. And um, yeah, yeah. at the time... Uh, you know, just really well-intentioned director came in and said, well, let's find some other ways that they can be powerful and brought in like firefighter hats and police costumes. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's a good idea, but it does what I, what I saw then. And what I started to think about was it just doesn't, it's not the same need. It's not the same. It's not the same if we tell them how they can try to be powerful. And I've found um, there's this great documentary called bat kid about a kid who his like what do you call that the um oh, he has a wish. wish you know he has cancer and yeah his wish is to be batman oh, i think i know day. this story yeah and yeah and so the amazing thing about it is the city of san francisco <laughs> turns like uh-huh. city hall into gotham city hall and all these things and the police chief you know like they do all these things they get someone to donate a car that looks like the batmobile and a stunt man to be uh-huh. batman and he asks him to be bat kid and they go and, like, <laughs> stop the Joker and all this. Like, but the cool thing about it is, one, that child, Batman was how they were staying uh-huh. strong during their chemo, right? That it was their way of staying strong. But then what I really enjoyed was the police chief mm-hmm. is explaining why he's doing this. And he said, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Batman. And the that's how I chief. became, oh. you know, a police and so it's the thing of when you're a kid, you don't pretend you're uh-huh. a police officer. You pretend you're a superhero. And then you figure out ways to achieve right. whatever, whatever was goals appealing you to you that. in that role. You yeah, find so a real you know, life so, role to, to kind yeah. of plug it into. Right. But it's not – the four-year-old doesn't, doesn't have to figure that out. The four-year-old doesn't have to figure out, like, you know, I want to be an investment banker that only invests <laughs> in socially responsible companies, you know, like – they may very well have some sort of trajectory that leads them from mm-hmm. Batman to that or mm-hmm. Elsa to that. But it's not like it's not a four year old. like there's it's right. not as exciting. Right. You know, so um, and there's some things to it when they do play firefighter. It's going to be much more like a superhero. Yeah, than, there's going to be punching and um, running and climbing and yelling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's great stories of Matt Damon as a kid um, in, uh, what's his mom's name, right. uh, Nancy Carlson Page. It's about him growing up and always wanting to play. There's a show when <laughs> Matt and I grew up um, called uh-huh. Emergency. And it was these firefighters. And it was just like these three emergencies and then some very inappropriate, like, flirting right. with nurses, <laughs> like, between emergencies. But everyone who watched the show was there just to watch them uh-huh. like, rescue people. And it very much was like a superhero show, the way they uh-huh. portrayed these people. It wasn't like actual firefighters. It wasn't, um, I can't remember the names of those, like shows that have been on more yeah. recently, Chicago. 
probably just Chicago uh, Fire. It wasn't, wasn't there one that was just called Chicago Fire. Yeah, yeah. I guess it was Chicago yeah. Fire. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. That sounded right. Yeah, you know, it, it was much more like just this like superhero going to save people, and they had two smaller <laughs> rescues, and then there'd of be a course. giant <laughs> rescue at the end of all every. You know, and it was like the exact same scenario over and over and over. And as a you know nine year old, uh-huh. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing that like inspires, you know, mm-hmm. play. Yeah. Like, pretend yeah. play. The other thing that. I, that I hear a lot and that I also experience is I I really mm-hmm. am at a point. Um, you know, someone's really at a point where they want to to look at their environments and find out how they can allow this, but they're what the conversations with the administrator or the teacher whose room they're going into next mm-hmm. or the parents. Yeah. So, do you have any quick tips sure, for those sure. conversations? Yeah. So um, it's funny because I actually did um, a Ray Pika's podcast and she put me on with somebody, that oh. next teacher, mm-hmm. like who did not like rough and tumble. It's okay. like, okay, explain it to me. Oh, it's like uh, <laughs> cage match. <laughs> so it's still like, I don't know exactly. No. Um, so I think the main thing is that rough and tumble play really helps children develop impulse control. You know, so I my like catchphrase with it is if you want kids to sit down later you have to make sure they're playing really vigorous first Uh Um, and I think it's even more true when you think about as they get older you know under the age of eight there should be a lot of movement and under the age of five there should be like mostly movement pretty much all (laughs) movement Um, so having them move now is going to help them pay attention it's going to help them control their impulses and it's going to help them you know eventually sit down when they do need to Mm -hmm. sit down um, but, uh, uh, and then, um, in terms of keeping it safe, the roughhousing itself, I find, and I got this one from, uh, Frances Carlson, mm-hmm. who wrote Big Body Play. Yeah. Um, she talks about wrestling, like being on your knees and she called it wrestling. I'm pretty sure or play fighting, uh-huh. but, um, and I found for my own classroom, that was the key. I, I had a really small classroom and there was no way I could have allowed roughhousing if they're standing up. You know, they could have pushed someone <laughs> from one side of the room to the other side of the room. But when you're oh, on your yeah. knees, you just sort of fall over. And so the kids are on their knees. The kids are on their knees, and I um, find <laughs> okay. like I had a mat. And I find uh-huh. in general, I recommend a mat um, with family care providers. Sometimes it's hard to, you know, mats are expensive, but you know, uh-huh. having something that defines the space. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you go there, you're saying, "Oh, I want to play rough too." Um, and if you're family care, you can also say, oh, the toddlers, you know, don't, can't go there, right? It's just the preschoolers. It's really right for preschoolers and toddlers to have that type of, um, uh, right. type of interaction. I mean, yeah, siblings maybe, but you know, then the parents are responsible <laughs> for what happens. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. So I think that that helps keep it safe. And then the kids are learning mm-hmm. impulse control. So ultimately... And the other impulse control that happens, this is more the superhero play, whatever game they're playing, they follow rules very exact. If they're playing Power Rangers, there's no guns, right? If they're playing (laughs) Batman, there's no flying. If there's, you know, whatever, Superman or Star Wars, then it's going to be lightsabers. And nobody can pretend something different. It's like it, it... it has to make sense right. in the story. That's what it's. That's what so it is. So it's that thing of you're playing rough, yeah. but you're also like, you know, there's there's rules to it. 
there's yeah, a cognitive yeah. side of it that we don't look at, yeah. I think, sometimes. Well, um, that, that just, just reminded me, and uh, I've got we've got one little boy in particular who just loves uh-huh. to chase bad guys or be the bad right. guy. It's all about chasing. Yesterday on the playground, he yelled, I am Transformer. <laughs> and the teacher that was working with him said, oh, you're a ranch farmer. <laughs> I was like, no, he said Transformer. Right. And she just laughed and she's like, can you tell I grew up in Oklahoma? So that was the joke all day today was that they were all ranch farmers. The kids don't know what that is, but they were were all ranch farmers chasing each other around. Yeah, I do have to say when I was in a classroom more like regularly as a teacher, I always had to keep up a little bit because I would never know like if they'd say Bumblebee. Who they're pretending to be. You know, it'd be like Bumblebee. And they're like, what? So I have to know enough about the characters, like who's in Paw Patrol or who's in whatever. Now I'm like blissfully ignorant (laughs) of it all. Teachers have to translate. Oh, well, I'm jumping back in. Yeah, because I don't know any of it. Um, Well, that thank you so much. That was a great conversation. Um, I highly recommend the book. I think the last time we talked, you said you're working on. I am. Is that just sort of the beginning beginning stages? stages? So (laughs) it's been in the beginning stages for a little while, but my father's health has been um, not so good. So it's, sort of been in this limbo state, though I have mm-hmm. um, this weekend, I'm focusing on writing more because I'm writing about consent and how to mm-hmm. sort of teach or foster the idea of consent in early childhood. A little bit like that article was kind of the first. Like a test run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'm at that point of trying to write a little more and create a book proposal and Fine, so. right. Well, no pressure, but I'm excited and ready. Well, I know for the Embracing <laughs> Rough and Tumble play, I had to tell someone first that I was writing it. Yeah. So I saw Rusty Keeler speak, and someone asked, isn't there a book that just explains how to do Rough and Tumble play? And oh. this audience of 500, nobody could think of it. So afterwards, I just walked up to him and said, oh, I actually have a book that's coming out with that. And I'd already had picture books out, so I had to publish. And then I walked uh-huh. down to the booth and said told my editor okay i know what the next book is from <laughs> um and, and i have 500 people holding me accountable. yeah exactly <laughs> but but somehow by having to say it to an audience it was like oh yes i am going to do that so oh, this time i don't great. quite have a publisher so it, it it might take a little longer last time i had the the deal within three months of telling him that so uh, oh my goodness so well good luck well, thank you. i hope that it works out and that that it comes out before too long because i'm looking forward to it all right and thanks for recording with me again and for being so understanding yeah. about the lost recording yeah, no, this is fun. <laughs> all right thanks everybody for listening i hope you'll come back for another episode goodbye and that's the show now go get your nerd on has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.